Hey, welcome to the Hive with Us podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Martinez. Today we have a special guest, Mr. Alex Nexton Nelson. Man, I said, see, I missed the name. So I said it wrong. <laughs> oh, Alex, Alex Nelson, he is known as the wedding venue guy on Twitter. If you don't operate on Twitter, Twitter is a very cool space to operate, and there's a lot of cool people on there that do a lot of cool things. And wedding venue guy slash Alex is one of those. So um, here, let me pull him in now. Alex, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. So, Alex, this is your second podcast. So we're we're gonna get you used to doing these. So if he fumbles, don't don't give him such a hard time. He's gonna do all right today. He's gonna do all right. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. So, uh, can you tell us a little where you where, part of the country you're from? Yep. Yep. So I have uh, born and raised in Iowa, actually. So still in Iowa now. Went to the University of Iowa, graduated from there. My wife and I both did. And then that's where we built our venue is here, like in Iowa, like Cedar Rapids, Iowa City area. Okay. Okay. And one thing that I love about this is that this is like your first like endeavor into entrepreneurship was the wedding venue. Yeah. Yep. My brother had started a few companies. I mean, I had worked for both those companies slightly, the last one being for the last four years. So I've kind of been in like startup world a little bit, you know, seeing them raise some capital. And and I always knew I'd go down that path eventually also, just to know exactly what. And I knew I kind of loved real estate as well. So then this ended up being a kind of a good mix of both of like a big real estate play, but it's also like an operating company too. So yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna take this point. I, I want to highlight a video here because it is such a cool video. We're gonna play it right here. So watch this. Sometimes I think about I love that video when uh, when you shared that on uh, Twitter. I was like, man, that's such a, such a cool experience. And found you. How long have you been on Twitter, by the way? Earlier in the year, so like April, maybe I think I hopped on. So yeah, it's been a, a pretty good uh, growth since then. So it's been fun. But go ahead. I, I, think I found you like in maybe July or August. I found you somewhere. It was. I, fe- I feel like it was definitely. It wasn't wasn't too long ago, but it was just it was really cool. Uh, one thing I love about what you do on Twitter is that you're very transparent, and you've you've grown a lot on Twitter where it's opened up new opportunities. So let's talk about this venue, and then we'll talk about like future opportunities stuff you're working on. But one thing I love about this is that you designed that whole thing from scratch, and that sounds daunting on its own. But daunting self funding, you like you did a lot of like real estate things all in one project. And then now you operate that real estate business essentially. So let's talk about like your design, where it came from, all that basic stuff, all, like, all that cool stuff. Cause I think it's, it's such a great opportunity that you did. And like I said, I've never done anything like that. So it's just cool hearing about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. Uh, and I appreciate you showing the video. Yeah. It, it was definitely a lot and daunting. You know, we're, we're, young i think we started thinking the idea when we're 25 so we're pretty gung-ho and and ready to take on any challenges then so uh but looking back on it it, yeah it was definitely a a big a big project to start with and kind of crazy yeah no hard like real estate experience necessarily we did we bought like our first house and we tried to do like a little like mini flip uh, mostly like cosmetic stuff honestly we didn't end up making very much money from it or anything but it was a good learning experience and we always knew we wouldn't go down that path 
Uh, and then we built our next house. So then we kind of like designed things uh, within the house and we, we really liked that side of it. So that's why we decided we'd, we'd take it up notch and, and do the venue. I mean, we definitely knew there was like a need in the area for another venue. And the, the biggest thing was like, we didn't want to just be another venue. Um, a lot of them in our area are like uh, just barns or pole barn buildings, you know, kind of thing. So we knew we wanted to like be high design and just do something completely different that we haven't seen before. So that's that was always kind of the idea and the vision. So then obviously uh, we had to take it up a notch on the design front. And yeah, the whole thing, it kind of... <laughs> Sounds cheesy, but honestly, like we, we were talking about the design and the floor plan and the layout. Uh, we just didn't want to be like another like square box, basically, like uh, some venues are. So we, we were looking at like every Instagram page for venues or Facebook or wherever across the nation and trying to like pull from different things that we liked from each venue. And I think we just talked about it so much that I went to bed like thinking about it. And I literally like had a dream uh, about <laughs> how I wanted the venue to be laid out. And that's kind of how we came up with like, you can't totally tell in the, uh, the that video, but uh, we have like two big wings. So like one side has like the bridal suite on at the very end and the other side has like the groom suite. So they almost get like their whole wing. Uh, and then like the middle of the building is like the big grand hall and stuff. So that was kind of like the, the grand vision. Uh, so it looks cool from like the road and has like these wings. And then it's just, yeah, not necessarily shaped like any other building or venue. So yeah, we kind of took that and then ran with it from there. show is sponsored by hive mind crm it is more than just a crm it is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one crm you can have unlimited websites and users you can call text rvm and email all-in-one user interface and you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses 65 percent of companies start using a crm system within the first five years of business once implemented the hive mind will save you on marketing give you more time and make more money one of our users had his first $100,000 a month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. Did you visit like any other venues in the area or any go to the one Instagram ones? Did you go like, did you go like scouting to kind of get? Some yeah. Like so honestly, I mean, we did of course, but we didn't have like need to because we got, we had just gotten married in our area. Like it's been four years ago, four years ago now. So when we started doing it, it was probably like a year out uh, from when we got married. So we literally just toured all the venues in our area. And ah, then all of our, we're like the age where like all of our friends and all of our family and cousins and things like we're getting married too. So we've been to tons of weddings around the area uh, and we'd seen most of them, you know, within a two mile radius from us too. So yeah, that was like, we already like had done some market research just by, you know, attending and being like the clientele first. I think it's funny because like you, you did your market research before you even started it. And then, oh, <laughs> yeah, and, incidentally, right? Not not on purpose, but it worked out nice because then we just knew like the venues like the back of our hand pretty much that around the area. Um, so the the wedding business is a very very big business, and and people that can't afford to are always looking for the best opportunity and best place to have it. And there's such a big like windfall that comes from a wedding just because there's the venue, there's catering, there's the DJ, there's there's service people that actually service the bartender. There's all these different like economic 
things that that take part in that one transaction mm-hmm. over a weekend. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. A lot of money, uh, you know, big industry, big market. And that's what I think draws a lot of people to like the venue space. Or that's why I've kind of got a good following on Twitter now is just the big numbers, right? It's attractive. But uh, with that being said is it's high stress too, right? So like uh, the family's spending a ton of money, the brides, you know, they're, they're pinning it all on this one day and like so much pressure, like leading up to this one day uh, that it is uh, high stress, like on our end too, like operating and for our team and our staff. So, you know, there, there's positives and negatives there. But yeah, when you look at the industry as a whole, um, obviously lots of dollars going there. And I would say it's pretty solid though, you know, uh, the economy might go down and, and things like this, but like people are booking their weddings out a year, two years in advance and locking in these dates, putting down deposits, you know, so they're likely going to see that through and it's, it's not going to fall apart. And, you know, always goes back to the factor of like, it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity kind of thing. You know, it only happens once. Um, so, you know, parents or whoever's paying for it uh, or the couples uh, kind of go all out. So uh, we like it from that perspective, like looking long term. Uh, I think it's just too big of a tradition to really change gears or f- focus too much down the road. So one thing I really want to tone in on, you kind of you kind of mentioned it, but not really overlooked it. But I know on Twitter you said that you raised or you locked in like weekends for like a whole year in advance and used those deposits to actually build your venue, which I thought that was ingenious. You got pre, you, you did some uh, what does they call it um, pre, like we did some pre-bookings. Pre-bookings. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and to clear that up too. So like it was never necessarily our intention. So we. We had like found the land, got that under contract. We had went and got like financing, like approved and lined up, ready to go, and, and all these things, like ready to roll, and like uh, had all of our plans, you know, put out a bunch of money um, before we started taking like any bookings. So like we were very serious, like it was going to happen. Like our biggest fear was like the whole thing, you know, kind of falling apart. Um, mm-hmm. So we waited until we felt good about that. But we also knew that we were building, you know, this like $3 million building and we couldn't sit empty for like a year because weddings do book a year or two years in advance. Uh, So if we we waited until we were like done with construction, we likely, you know, it would have been empty for six, 12 months, 18 months or however long which we just can afford, afford to do with the carrying costs and everything. So yeah, we started doing pre-bookings. And I think uh, by the time it was all said and done, uh, we booked about 100 weddings before we, like, we were officially done with construction. And then just uh, with COVID and all the crazy things that happened, uh, there was a point in time where our construction timeline got delayed. So we had to push things out a little bit. And then like during that time, like our costs went like way up, just like all the subs costs, everything went way up because everything was going crazy. But luckily, like we had already taken in so many deposits and instead of like us personally having to come up with like a ton more cash on hand uh, to kind of close, like we already had cash sitting in the bank from these deposits. So we were able to use uh, some of those to kind of make up the difference. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the big things is like uh, running out of cash when you're building, when you're doing a project like that. Cause that's, that's a huge problem. Yeah. It can happen fast. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was kind of the, the best part of it. And it, just as a business in a whole, as a whole, you know, we're, we're getting these deposits in advance. So we always have cash kind of coming in way in advance. So, you know, it's kind of almost like a, a negative cash cycle business where you're getting, you know, cash before these events actually happen, uh, which is nice, you know, so you're not, you know, on a cash delay or cash crunch necessarily. 100%. Now, you said you only designed your house. Like, have you done any like entitlements before? Was that like your first time doing entitlements? Like, you went through like all the phases of like getting this. 
did you have a mentor at all? Like, how'd you figure all this stuff out? Just kind of talking to the county and figuring it out? Yeah, no, we, we hadn't done any of that. I mean, looking back, I wish I had that experience or done that before uh, kind of diving into this. But yeah, huge learning experience. And no, we just, no mentor necessarily. We just kind of took it head on and uh, we made good friends like with our builder, our GC. Uh, he was super helpful kind of on the design front and, and just navigating all the, the hurdles that we came too, but uh, yeah, it was mostly just on my wife and I to figure it out and get involved with county. And of course, you know, the county that we're in is, is known to be kind of tough and, uh, you know, tons of codes. And they also didn't like the developer where we're, who we were buying the land from. Uh, so it was this whole big battle, but we got it done and, and definitely learned a lot. Uh, you know, now when I'm looking at these other projects, it's like almost easy <laughs> compared to what we had to go through. So well, now, now you got like a, you get the experience notch on your belt, you know? Right. Now, now, and this is where like a lot of people that, that don't do ground up development or ground up entitlement and stuff like that, you got to deal with like engineering, engineering. Like you could draw it up on, on the back of a napkin, but some, somebody's got to actually have the measurements and do the estimates and the cost of what it actually comes out to. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> Those are all things that we had like no idea about, you know, it's like, oh, we thought we'd come, you know, come up with a building plan, get a builder, get the land. Okay. That's like all your big costs, build it, construction costs. Yes. But then, uh, you know, it's, you forget about all the, got to get a civil engineer to do your site plan. Then you got to get an architect that actually have arch, or like stamped architect plans or stamped engineered plans in the buildings and MEPs and all these things, you know, uh, and that's why <laughs> maybe it was a good thing that we didn't know all that going into it because uh, yeah, we slowly started paying for things up front and like floating the cash before we even knew if it was real or not, you know, but then you get up to these, like getting these stamp plans is 50, 60 grand plus the site plan, 15, 20 grand. So it's like, by the time it was all said and done, just to get like uh, the plans ready to like submit for approval, we had spent like a hundred grand. Yeah. And maybe, <laughs> maybe going hindsight, looking into it, maybe that would have been more daunting, but we kind of just figured it out as we went. So <laughs> <laughs> the definition of gambling on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> we, we always knew, like, it just came down to, like, if we knew if we could just figure out how to get it built, like, it was going to be a slam dunk. Like, we knew there was a need in the area. We knew we could come up with a cool design. Like, we were, like, the clients, basically. Like, it was our age, our, like, friends getting married. Like, same kind of things. Like, we felt like we really knew what they wanted. Uh, so we just had to figure out how to do it with no experience. But, <laughs> so... Yeah, it was fun. It was a challenge, and we thankfully got it done. So, yeah, nobody thinks about like um like the the fire marshal and sprinkler systems, and you now have a, a limit of how many people you can have in there. You have max occupancy, and then uh, parking. Yeah, parking, mm-hmm. handicap accessibility bathrooms. Like you got a lot of different things that come into that. <laughs> so many different things. And that's like, I get like all the time too. like people reaching out to me now, like they like know someone that's like built like a pole barn or like a shop or something like, oh, I could do this for like five, 500,000, 750,000. It's like, sure. Maybe like the, the core like structure, but you know, like our parking lot was like 80 spots. That's like 300 grand in concrete. Like it had to be concrete through the county, you know, like, yeah, sprinkler system, hundred grand there. Then if you have to have like a pump room, like all this other stuff that, you know, it really adds up that people have no idea about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, this is why we're mentioning it here because, like, I, like I, I really, I really want to highlight like this was not an easy task. <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 It's not like we just threw up this building and now we got to charge, you know, six, seven, eight grand a night. Uh, that's all. That's all fine and dandy and great now, but yeah, way, way more that goes into it than than most will realize. And that's not a knock on people like we didn't know either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, d- development's hard. So development's hard. So like, what was like the the like what was the what was the, the venue worth after you built it, and what is it worth now after? Now? Yeah, because that's a good question. Um, producing revenue. What's that? Now that you're actually producing revenue, you actually have a verifiable what mm-hmm. the venue is worth now. Yeah, it, I don't want to give like a hard answer. I guess yeah, when we built it, you know, and then you get an appraisal, and it's like uh, they're just like doing an appraisal. They try to do it off like comps. Uh, in our yeah. area it's like what are you going to comp there's not many new build wedding venues in our area so like that right. didn't make sense really you know it, you kind of need to like uh, it's like a commercial building right it should be based off like noi or some sort of cap rate um, yep. so we haven't had like an official appraisal done like that i think we've been open officially a year now um oh wow a little, a little over yeah uh, it feels like we've been open forever at this point because i think we started taking deposits like back in july of 2021 so and then we officially like oh wow our building back or october 2022 so yeah i know it's, so i feel like we've been in business for a long time but yeah as far as like what it's worth i would say you know i think we the building itself was like two seven ish and then we had like another 180 and like ff and e so close to three mil we should do close to like 350k like noi uh, so whatever kind of cap rate you want to put on that i don't know you That's know good. so yeah i would say we're doing pretty well it's pretty solid right so i hope you get the appraisal soon and hopefully you refinance and get some good good debt yeah 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 it'll help your balance sheet a lot longer and if you ever and this is where now it comes in now like you can refinance now you have equity essentially and 350 the noi is not something to knock at like that's a lot of money and especially with cap rate you potentially that that's a lot of money mm-hmm. here and there but now you can leverage that to go to the next one so let's talk about future projects and i think this is one of the cool things is that you went through all the hard hard stuff 2021 it took you like two years or a year and a half to kind of make this into come to fruition now you actually have a, a viable product you actually have a building you have staff you have all these things lined up now and now opportunity just coming your way like hey let's do another one yeah yeah and it's honestly pretty crazy and a little overwhelming i hopped on twitter and i can't tell me tell you how many dms i've gotten just hundreds and hundreds of people that either want to be lps or they have land that they like want me to like build a venue on or they just they all finance it but they want me to come manage it uh you know all these different opportunities the biggest one that we're working on now is like we found it, it's out in outside of charlotte north carolina is like a husband and wife uh team they they bought the land got all the plans done got all the approvals done with the county like basically came down to like breaking ground but that whole planning process took them like two years kind of like us they went back and forth with the county um i think he lost his job like in the middle of it or something they got a new job and then uh, since like lending got tough they basically went back to the bank and then they wanted more money down uh, and that these guys didn't have any more cash left and they uh, basically just taking a step back and, and we're going to scrap it or kind of trying to sell it as is. Um, so, so me and a buddy, uh, my business partner that I actually met through Twitter, I was kind of consulting on his project that he's doing out in 
California on his property. We're looking to scoop this one up and then we're probably going to raise capital for it and kind of build it out. It'll be a venue with like 10 cabins from there. And it's kind of going to be our model going forward uh, is like the venue, like a short-term rental a little village, I guess you could say, where we'll make them like high design, modern cabins, maybe like Live Oak Lake uh, vibes. I know everyone brings that one up, but kind of like that, but like anchored by this like wedding venue. Uh, so the venue will bring, you know, two, 300 people a night. So, you know, three to 600 people a weekend there that we should easily be able to rent out the cabins and hopefully be able to turn those and rent those out during the week as well. So one thing, one thing that I, I love that idea because it's, when you're coming onto it, you have a commercial property, so it's all about NOI. So you got to increase revenue. Yeah. So one thing that I, I think I asked you, I think I asked you on Twitter maybe a month ago or two months ago, was I asked you like how often your team works, and then you're also like you, they were only like you do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And then what I asked you was is like you had you do like consultations and stuff during the week because you operate essentially all, all weekend like we're on a thursday here like this is this is like your uh, this is like your, your weekend right here you know yeah <laughs> midweek is your weekend yeah 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 <laughs> for every sacrifice your weekends <laughs> yeah yeah thankfully we built out a team and we don't like actually work you know i'm not working today there, there is like a rehearsal going on there today and during the weekends, we don't work at weddings anymore unless like something really fell through and we had to or something. But yeah, I think that's another thing that people necessarily don't realize. And the people that are reaching out to me like, oh, what are you going to do during like the week? How come you don't have all these weekday rentals? The way like we operate is we'll do Friday, Saturdays, pretty much every weekend that we can during the busy season. Friday weddings get Thursday before for free. So they come in Thursday, set up, do the rehearsal. Um, and then Sunday, we'll either have a wedding or we have a church that rents out our space. So now Thursday through Sunday is full. So that leaves Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then, you know, to get all these weddings, we'll do like a 70 weddings this year. To get 70 weddings, you got to do, you know, 100 and something tours. Uh, so that those all have to happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then everyone that books has like two planning meetings with us. So that's 140 meetings throughout the year. Um, and those have to happen on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so like the weekdays really do get full. We'll do some weekday events, uh, usually on Wednesdays or something. But yeah, makes for kind of a crazy week. And the, the venue, there's always someone there, basically. Uh, it's, it's always full. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good problem. It's a, yeah. very, it's a very good problem. So one thing I like about the, the cabin idea is because family usually comes in for weddings. So A, they can actually go to the venue and... They're actually there. They're physically there. I think that's a great idea. And then right. it's all about increasing the profitability. So if you can rent those out the three, four days that they're going to be in town for, I mean, you're in the money essentially for those those cabins too. So I think it's a great idea. And yeah. then you, you actually by locking it in together, you actually lock in the you actually lock in the financing for the building cost and all that stuff. So you get a lot of leverage on the front end too. Yeah, yeah, it just makes a lot more sense uh, when you're looking at the numbers to it. Yeah, and like you said, they're coming in for multiple days usually. So like, honestly, like Thursday through Sunday should be just like the one, the wedding party or close family that's going to be running those out. Uh, but then we can still rent it out during the week. And even bigger than that, like there's always going to be like some sort of like seasonality with weddings. I'm like, I'm in Iowa, so winter is going to suck. So it's like May through like Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, we'll book like every Friday, Saturday. But then when you're talking like December, January, February, those are like pretty hit or miss. March, April are, are a little better, but not great. So basically there's an off season there. But if we can do these cabins and areas that are a little bit nicer, weather-wise, like we can still have some sort of like revenue driver or something that's bringing things in during the off season. So yeah, it, it just really adds 
to to the top end uh to the top line and bottom line of the property as a whole have you started doing like corporate events or anything like that yeah yeah so uh we built in a pretty good area that pulls from like two different kind of medium-sized markets so location wise we're we're uh pretty well off so we're, we're starting to get a lot of you know like team meetings luncheons corporate events holiday parties those kind of things weddings book out super far in advance so those were good to like book out like during construction and and years in advance but like those kind of events come up more you know a couple months in advance like two three months versus like a they, year. they fill they fill the gaps they fill yeah the gaps. They're, they're really starting to fill the gaps now that we're we've been open for a while now that we've had them back or had them sometime in 2023 most of them are coming back in 2024 so hopefully it's kind of just like a little bit of a snowball effect of just adding to those um repeat definitely not as big of numbers you know you're not you're not getting uh five to six grand for these kind of rentals but you know thousand and two thousand bucks adds up plus they'll you know hopefully do like open bar or something that can uh, add some more revenue too one thing let's talk about the, the bar the bar i think the bar was I didn't realize how much the bar brings in at these events. It's so um, it's such insane. Can you talk about the the numbers the bar brings in and like what's your margin on that? Just because like I I knew it was one of those things like I knew it was those revenue sources there, but I didn't really like understand like how much people drink at these at these events. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, weddings are one big party, right? Especially uh, here in Iowa, I guess maybe we got some heavy drinkers, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a big uh, aspect or a big like key part of the the wedding. You know, uh, a lot of couples, you know, they're 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 buying a lot of alcohol. They don't want their guests to run out, kind of thing. So yeah, I think I would have to go and look at the numbers, but roughly like four to five grand on average um, in revenue. Uh, per event uh, so you know and when we're charging you know six to eight grand it's it's coming close to like being close to like the rental income some months uh, more sometimes less That's and then the, the margins on those are like 65 to 70 percent and then the way we do it we kind of like let them like pre-purchase x amount so they can like pre-purchase like kegs or uh, cases of wine uh, so like 12 bottles on a case and and then they could like pre-purchase like signature drinks ahead of time and we do it that way and then we know exactly what they want so then we can order exactly what they want uh, so we have like little to like no waste there um, and then we do keep like some alcohol on hand or still like a full bar it's like people can still walk up buy what they want uh, if the couple's not offering it for free but it, it gives some flexibility there um yeah that's cool liquor license <laughs> yeah get this question a lot too thankfully it wasn't super challenging in my area it was especially because we're going like new build too it was just like pretty much like follow the codes you know everything that they want to see in the building uh, and then we just applied i think ours was like all of 900 for the year so yeah super cheap uh, you have to get like liquor license uh, liability insurance which still wasn't that expensive uh, so well worth it but i know like some other states uh i think like california for example they only have like x amount of liquor license so like people have to buy like existing licenses off of like other people so if you like want to start like a new restaurant you have to like buy an existing license that's like floating out there and they can pretty much just charge insane amounts like 20 50 100k or something uh, i've heard so yeah don't quote me on that i don't know exactly but i just know it's way 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 different in some states that's so crazy. It's just, it's just such a unique. Like I said, I love having like different like real estate niches on here because it's like everything's like so nuanced. Like yeah, completely different things. 
like you went through a lot of that that that, that growing pains on the on the building side, but I think now you got that you got that little notch in your belt, and you're going out and building other opportunities, and you're just creating you're creating like your own special niche. Are you trying to like build like a, a brand around wedding 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 venues, where you have like wedding venues in five different states and yeah, yeah, that wasn't necessarily always the vision, but I think that's where we're going to go towards is the value kind of is in the brand. So, you know, and, and the value is in like developing these two. Like we looked at buying some existing ones and looking at numbers and like uh, they just never fit our design style or like what we wanted necessarily, like what we wanted to hold long term. And sellers are super unrealistic. They're like putting a value like on the real estate, but then also trying to do some sort of like multiple and then a Y and it's just like, it doesn't make sense. And, uh, you know, like uh, with rates right now, like the, the NOI is never going to cover the debt services on like 99% of the venues we're looking at that were for sale. Anyway, so that's kind of just pushing us back towards development, doing it the way we want to do it, do it right, high quality. And then with that, we might as well have like a brand that people know. I mean, that also like creates value there in itself. So that's, yeah, kind of what we're going to be rolling out in, in the next few uh, venues that we do. So, How many potential venue projects are you working on right now? Yeah, so <laughs> the North Carolina one is hopefully going to start in early 2024. And then we ideally will have another one breaking ground and rolling in, in 2024 also. Those will kind of be like our flagship Sorry, ones. I'm still flagship ones, key uh, key ones that were big big venues, multiple cabins kind of thing, fitting that model. I'm also working on some consulting projects. I think I have like another six or seven there going. So TBD, how long and how, how I'll be partnered on those deals, kind of leaving it up in the air. So could be more. And then I think there's a few other, a few key other like partnerships um, that I'm in the works of talking with uh, a couple people that could be rolling out venues pretty quickly as well. So hard to say exactly, but uh, things are rolling. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's It's been, I don't know, it's been crazy seeing your journey because like, I, I love I love the transparency side of it. I think a lot of people from Twitter do, and I think you kind of dug into that side. So it's it's really cool seeing um, just seeing the number side of it because like it's nothing I would never jump into. It's just like it's just curious. It's like oh, this is cool. It's cool. Yeah, that's it. I think you know my whole life. Uh, I think and for most people that are interested in real estate or entrepreneurship or or business as a whole, you know, you like you drive past these like big businesses or or whatever like these fortresses that I look at. I'm just like. I wonder what the numbers are on those things. Like, I just want to know so bad, just like out of curiosity. Like, I don't necessarily want to get in that business. I just want to know. So that was kind of like my thinking when I got on Twitter. I had seen a few people kind of like sharing things, but I wanted to be like completely open, full transparency. Like, I don't care. I have nothing to hide. And I think people appreciate it, especially, you know, younger entrepreneurs that are start or like want to get started. It's like to see like not just top line numbers, but see all expenses, like everything, highs and lows kind of thing. Uh, is important so yeah that's what i'm really trying to do on there was there a time that was like you struggled personally it uh, was it might have been like in the development part or even with like dealing with customers i don't know was there a time where you're like man this is difficult <laughs> all, all the time <laughs> yesterday, yesterday you know yeah 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 it's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows it's hard uh, it's really challenging i think uh, when we started building uh, or started the process of building, we were like 25, no kids, uh, you know, and then as the project went along, we had our first child 
Uh, he is two now. And then we just welcomed our second child that's three months old. And we've only been open like a year. So like in that time, you know, we had two kids, but also like dealt with the building. Uh, we dealt with like delays on the building, which was not fun and pretty terrible. We actually had to push back some weddings that people booked with us, um, which was honestly like probably one of the lowest parts of my life. Uh, and my wife's as well is just like constant stress and constant like stomach aches and feeling terrible. It was never our intention. So yeah, we, we hit a hard low then. But uh, we, we were too far in to even <laughs> to even to get out, even if we wanted to. So we kind of had to see it through. Glad we did. It all worked out. Yeah, but it's definitely was not easy on the build. And then, you know, and what happens a lot and a lot of people I'm talking to in these projects, it's like you're so focused on the build, the financing, just getting it off the ground, which you have to be right. Like you should be the design. That's all all to it. But then yeah. eventually you do have to switch over to like operating. You have to like switch hats a little bit from being like developer to operator, which is like a whole new challenge. And we definitely got hit in the face pretty hard <laughs> at the beginning and, and first few weddings, just dealing with families and couples and, you know, the stress and the high maintenance people uh, that, that that weddings can bring in. So we've since put systems and processes in place to hopefully, you know, get rid of some of those uh, st stress indicators, stress levels uh, during events, but it's still never going to be perfect and a constant challenge. Oh, that's good, man. I'm, I'm, like I said, I think, I think those struggles that you went through, it helps you become a better operator yeah. and to see it now. To see <laughs> it now. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's good, man. I think, I think everybody, a lot of entrepreneurs or early entrepreneurs are like, I don't want to struggle. I'm like it, it hurts. It's painful. Like it's part of the yeah. process. <laughs> yeah. Definitely part of the growing process. We, we grew and, and, and had to learn quickly and on our feet. But yeah, that, that's all entrepreneurship is, right? It's just le learning as you go kind of and, and pivoting and adapting and hopefully evolving, not making the same mistakes. We've definitely made our, our fair share and probably will continue to make mistakes. But as long as we can, uh, you know, push forward and, and, and learn from those, uh, it should all be okay, hopefully. <laughs> We've all made mistakes. It's okay. It happens. Yeah. What is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not a big quote guy, to be honest. So I don't know if I can uh, <laughs> quote one off the top of my head. But I think, I'm, honestly, like what we just talked about is the biggest thing I've learned, like in entrepreneurship and, and listening to all these podcasts and learning from Twitter and people is that like everyone does make mistakes. No one's perfect. And if you think you're going to be, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> and it's just not going to go probably as smoothly, smoothly as you want. But you know, just you have to keep learning, keep pushing forward. And, and that's how you you truly become a good operator and a good business person. Yeah. How big is your staff right now? How about how many team members do you have right now? We have my wife and I, and then two full-time ladies, and then another probably 10 or so that are like on rotation part-time. Those are like all like actually our employees. Uh, we outsource like some bartenders. So there's probably like another 10 on rotation there. And then we like outsource our cleaning and, and uh, you know, like lawn care, snow removal, maintenance and stuff. Okay. Now, I think it's good to like bring in third-party contractors because, A, it keeps your staff low, but it holds that you have to hold them accountable, too. Right. It actually produce the results, and it's no longer on you to force forcefully, like, let me hire a sort of long guy to cut the grass every Tuesday to make sure we look, we look good. Right. Yeah, and that was always the thinking, too, is, like, the to keep the staff like as small as possible, like early on, uh, just like stay lean, you know, like uh, figure out what we're doing first before we go hire all these roles and, and try to figure all that out. And that, uh, that was our strategy. Like we, we 
we were new to this, right? So we had to be the operators. Like we can just go hire people to work these weddings. Like we had to work them ourselves before we could expect to like train and hire other people to work the wedding. So uh, last fall we worked 14 weddings, like all in a row back to back. We did like Friday, Saturdays, like 15 to 18 hour days, which is super challenging and tough, but like we learned so much. And then that allowed us to go into winter and like actually have plans and processes and things to like hire people and like train people on. Uh, And then like put a manager in place but so that might be one of my biggest uh, pieces of advice too of people looking to get into the space is like again it's not just a real estate play like there's a real operating business and it's not just going to be as simple as like plucking someone from event spaces or hotels or something and making them the manager and hoping it's going to run like super smoothly i think uh, you have to have like a real operator in there yeah, this is not passive income. <laughs> it's not, no. <laughs> and is there anything? I don't know. This is definitely not passive income. I, it's just, it's just, a, it's such cool to see you, see you grow, and I, I wish you the best as far as your future. And I'll keep watching, man. I'll keep watching. I think, I think it's really cool to everybody. If you're not watching the wedding venue guy on Twitter, go check him out. It's pretty cool. Where can people find you online besides Twitter? Because I just mentioned it. I have a midnightvenues.com. Is there anywhere else you want to direct people? And do you have a YouTube channel by chance? I don't have a YouTube. Midnight Venues is like my consulting website. Uh, TheMidnightGem.com is our is our main venue in Iowa. And then just Twitter. So not on LinkedIn, not on YouTube, none of those channels yet. We'll see. Go follow them on Twitter. This way. Go follow them on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Twitter is great. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's been crazy and borderline like life-changing uh, already. So, I, I think when I, when I talk to a lot of people like that, um, I think a lot of people try and like monetize it, but it's, it's life changing on the back end in different ways. Like yeah. Twitter's like the unexpected, um, there's like unexpected benefits that you don't even understand on Twitter. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care about monetizing it like, uh, from like courses or, you know, easy money, things like that. It's, it's more just like connecting with people and the relationships you build on there. Um, which I feel like until you do it, like you don't believe it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's insane. It's very, very insane. All right. Well, th- uh, thanks for coming on, Alex. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing, sharing some wedding venue knowledge because I have not heard anybody talk about this. And I remember when I went through my wedding and I was just like going through all this and like, this is a really cool venue. This is a really cool business. But didn't know nothing about it. Still, don't, I mean, I'm, the only thing I know about is from you. So <laughs> the thing about following you online is that I'm learning new and new things and I think that's, that's the enjoyment of it. Like, I'll never do it, but it's just cool seeing it from your eyes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. N- thankfully, like, it is pretty niche, and uh, there's not a ton of people in the space. So hope- hoping to kind of hit on that, hit on that quickly while we're, we are the only people in the space for the most part. Um, but, yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate having me on, and uh, uh, hopefully people can learn something from this. You get first mover's advantage by, by taking it seriously. So you get, to, right. you get to realize all the benefits first. Yeah, that's the goal. We'll see. (laughs) Everybody here, go like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. Go share with a friend. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. So the HiveMind is launching a new program where we are... We're helping you work deals that are valued at $1 million and up. If your deal is worth $980,000, we don't want to take a look at it. You can submit those deals to us at submitbigland.com, and we'll help you comp the deals. If it's good, we'll help you close it, and we'll also help you fund it and sell it. Check us out, submitbigland.com, milliondollarmastermind.com, and wholesaling million-dollar land deals on Facebook. Thanks, guys.